You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident finalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So we officially do have a winner. We crossed the 300 follower mark on Instagram. We did the, um, the raffle. I made a video, so some of you know who the winner is. For the rest of you, though, the winner is going to be told after the break. Um, one point... Patreon's recently switched over to this weird Vimeo thing. I've never used Vimeo before. That's how they want me to upload videos, so I had to put it on Vimeo and then put the link to Vimeo. I, I don't know. I have to pay money to link to Vimeo. I'm not doing that. So I just used the link and put that in. Bottom line is, some people couldn't get the link to work. Some people also paid money just to see the link and couldn't get it to work. So if that describes you, message me on Patreon. And let me know that you paid just to see the video, couldn't see the video, and I will refund you your money. I do apologize for that. I know a few of you were able to figure out how to make the link work. Something, maybe there was like a little tail on the end of it or something that that shouldn't have been on there. Either way, um, there was a way to make that work. But I don't know, because when I click on it, it just works. So yeah, today we are going to be doing the uh, the giveaway. Super excited. It is somebody that's in the Facebook group. Sorry to kind of give that hint away, but that was kind of cool to see. It's what I was hoping for. No disrespect, but I mean, you know, I mean, it just kind of feels like a family environment in there. So it's like you kind of root for the... And, and there's a lot of people in there, so it's not that hard to miss. By the way, get in the, page, uh, the Facebook group and the Patreon group. Whatever you feel like doing to get involved, go ahead and do it. Speaking of, iTunes reviews sitting at 247. Can a brother get three more? I just, you know, you ever meet somebody that when they're like turning up and down the volume, it has to be on a round number? Like you you turn it up to like 28 and it's like, no, 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 give me the remote. And you turn it up to 30. It's like, just leave it at 30. It's a little too loud. Shush. 30. Not doing 28 or 27. We're not doing that. that. I'm that guy. I'm not asking for four reviews, I'm just asking for three. In fact, I don't even want four reviews unless we're going to be serious about it and make an actual concerted effort run here for at least 260. This is all kind of a joke, but I would appreciate uh, iTunes rating and review if you do appreciate and, uh, and approve of this here podcast. Otherwise, the agenda today is pretty straightforward. We're going to be looking at what PFF had to say, we're going to be looking at some grades, we're going to be looking at some stats, maybe a little bit of a context of where everything is overall. Bottom line, the offense is trending up, the defense is trending down. That's basically the the story of the day. It's been doing that pretty much since the season started. <laughs> Packers had, like, the I think after, like, week two, the Packers are graded as the number one defense in football. I'm pretty sure. It was top three for sure for quite a while. It's currently sitting at 13th, thanks to being one of the worst run defense as well as tackling teams in all of football. Also, the coverage ability has has dropped dramatically, and the pass rush also has. Everything has, and that's sad and also scary, but we'll get into all that stuff. Why don't we take a break, and I'll quit dragging this on just to tease you. We'll take a break, and uh, at the very end of it, we'll have ourselves a winner. This Sunday, we've got a really big game coming up against the Kansas City Chiefs. 
and it happens to be at uh, one of the stadiums that is on my bucket list. If you're planning on making the road trip, or if you just live out there, allow me to implore you to check out Vivid Seats. The Vivid Seats app makes it very, very easy and convenient for you to find the exact seats that you need. And as I've told you before, they've got the Vivid Seats reward program, which is really cool, especially if you tend to go to events, not just football games and Packer games or whatever, but concerts or whatever it is you're going to. They've got the Vivid Seats Royal... I do that every time. Not royalty, loyalty rewards. But what that's going to do is give you some credit back every time you buy tickets. So go over to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. You're automatically enrolled in Vivid Seats and, and just to go check it out. See if you can find what it is you're looking for. Every purchase has got a 100% buyer guarantee. And of course, the most important part, when it comes time to buy, when you're ready to pull the trigger, we're doing this. Me and Frankie, man, we're doing it. We're cruising to Arrowhead. Make sure you do not forget to enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout. You will receive a discount of up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. I know they they took it out of the beginning thing. I might just put it back in just because. I don't know. I don't want to give you unnecessary advertisements, but I feel like it's part of the show. So you let me know what you think. I'm a little sad about it. But anyways, be sure to check out the uh, the... Vivid Seats app, go download it, check it out, see what they got. Let me know what you think. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for. Can I get a drum roll, please? The winner of our first jersey giveaway is Brian Reed 555. My man. So what I need you to do, big dog. First of all, um, we're going to give you three days. I know you're in the Facebook group, and I kind of thought maybe since he's already in the group, I'll just reach out. But rules is rules. You got three days. If somebody wants to reach out in the group and let you know because they're cool like that, that's fine. But I got to keep the rules consistent here. Three days to reach out. Just shoot me a message on Instagram, or I guess any way you want, but I'd prefer Instagram since that's what we're doing here. And let me know which jersey you want. Your options are Paul Horning, Chuck Mercian, or James Lofton. All three are signed, come with certificates of authenticity. So shoot me a message. 
as soon as you hear this or find out. Again, I will be announcing this tomorrow and the next day. For the rest of you, please keep in mind, we're going to be doing two more giveaways, the other two jerseys that are available, once we cross the 500 and 700 threshold mark. I had somebody uh, mention when I talked to him on Instagram, they're like, well, I don't want to tell people because then it increases my chance of, of losing or it decreases my chance. of Not really, because you're competing with 500 people either way. So let's just get to 500 so we can do the giveaway. That's sort of what I'm thinking, but whatever. So be sure to, uh, to share the Instagram. Let's race to 500 so we can do this again and give you another shot at a free signed jersey. All right, so let's get to the goodness. First of all, let me start with Football Outsiders. I know a lot of people like that, and I don't think that's the worst thing because the Packers have had an unusually difficult schedule in terms of the teams they've gone up against. So I think Football Outsiders isn't actually the worst um, thing to look at in this kind of a scenario. Um, even I've even mentioned PFF, actually, now that they've got their green line, which is their betting aspect, they actually adjust for competition as well. They don't make that readily available to the public, but they have that for green line, and you can already see how much higher they are in their rankings. But right now, Football Outsiders has the Green Bay Packers ranked as the sixth best team in football. It's uh, New England who just stomped out the Jets, which as I said, it's one thing to beat a team that's garbage. It's another thing to absolutely annihilate a team that's garbage. You want to know how I know the, the, the Patriots are Super Bowl contenders? It's not that they beat the Jets. It's that they beat the Jets 33 to nothing. That is unbelievable. As much as I look at this and say this is one of the easier years to win a Super Bowl, the New England Patriots right now might be one of the better teams I've ever seen. If, if everything were to stay the same right now, the, the New England Patriots win the Super Bowl and it's not even close. They, they annihilate everybody they come in contact with. Their defense is so unbelievably good, and their offense obviously is just a, a force to be reckoned with as always. But anyways, number two is the San Francisco 49ers. Number three is the Kansas City Chiefs, then the Minnesota Vikings, then the Dallas Cowboys, and then the Green Bay Packers. Looking specifically at offensive ranking, the Green Bay Packers are ranked 7th overall on offense, as well as 7th overall on defense. Now that's going to be the, the, well, I don't know, how big of a discrepancy is that? Let's take a look at PFF right now. So PFF has the offense 8th, so that's very close and similar. However, they got the defense as 13th, which, you know, isn't terrible. I think if we had said at the beginning of the year that the Packers defense was going to be ranked 13th overall a lot of Packer fans would be relatively content with that because it's a pretty big step up but again football outsiders looking at um, the uh, adjusting to competition believe that the defense is a little bit better and again I don't know that PFF necessarily even disagrees because they're talking about two different things PFF is just looking at performance regardless of competition football outsiders is only looking at performance in light of competition so pretty encouraging I think on either account is relatively encouraging. Um, PFF a little bit less so, especially when we get into the specifics like run defense and tackling, which again was really, really bad this past week. So as I said, today's going to be a little bit more negative. There's a ton of positive to talk about, a lot of very exciting things to mention, but you know there were things that weren't great. And as always, I'm going to mention names that aren't great and people are going to throw a fit because they thought that they had a great day and that's just the way things go. So actually, given that, why don't we start with the defense this week, because the, the defense was the less impressive aspect of this game. There were some pieces that were really solid, um, but just a good amount of, of not great. But just looking at overall defensive grade is what we'll start with. There were two people, actually, let's just say three, there were, and it's, it's very, very exciting news. Two of these people have relatively small sample sizes, but I don't care because it's still exciting. Three people had very good grades, or excellent grades, grades in the 80s. One was technically 79.5, but we're calling it 80. 
Number one was Zadarius Smith, and the reason it went unnoticed is because of his run defense. He was the second highest graded run defender um, on the team. I think he was ranked like 13th overall. This was yesterday before some of the grades came out. I'll double check that again today. But his run defense was on point. His tackling was pretty solid. His pass rush was mediocre. He had four pressures in the game. We'll get to the stats in a little bit. But he was the highest. He was actually pretty close to being elite. It was an 86.2. So he was he was flirting with it. So on a day in which it didn't look that great, and his pass rush certainly wasn't as good as it had been in the past, um, his run defense was super on point. The second highest graded player, and you know who this is if you follow me on Twitter, but it's entirely because of his run defense. His pass rush was below average. Uh, tackling was decent, very similar to Zadarius's. But it was Mr. Rashawn Gary. Now, we're only talking about 18 total snaps, only 10 snaps against the run. But I mentioned this not too long ago. I think it was two weeks ago he had a very good run defense grade, and I said this is kind of what he did in college. He didn't have a massive amount of production as a pass rusher, although his stats were pretty good. Deceptively. I mean, if they transferred to the NFL, I think it was like 12%, 13% pass rush percentage, which is awesome. But he, he had an 87.8 run defense grade, borderline elite. So an 84.5 overall grade. Really, really encouraging. And and really, considering we have Preston and Zadarius, and I, I don't want to just rest on this, but if, if the only thing we get out of him is one of the best run defenders in football, which, by the way, is exactly what Jadavian Clowney was for quite a while. Jadavian was, was not anywhere near as good as people thought when he came out. People, I mean, he was hurt, but whatever. Eventually, he came out, and he was not producing as much as people wanted him to as a pass rusher, but against the run, he was easily the best run defending um, edge rusher in football. And a lot of people actually compared... Rashawn Gary to Jadavian Clowney. So there, there are maybe some parallels there. He, Of course, we want him to get better as a pass rusher. But again, if, if, if the worst scenario here is that he becomes a guy that you plug in, basically he is the anti-Kyler Fackrell. Kyler Fackrell only goes in on pass rushing situations. Rashawn maybe just goes in on the third and short goal lines. Uh, maybe if you're going up against a run-heavy team, you throw him in on first down. You know, you pull him on third down. And again, we've got Preston and Zedarius. Those are the top two guys. And if Rashawn can come in and be a situational run-defending you know, pass rusher, which makes no sense, run-defending outside linebacker, I guess, I'm not super upset about that. Again, this was an elite performance. It was it was 10, 10 snaps against the run, but um, it is encouraging. The third player on this list who got his, I believe this was his first start, and surprisingly he played out of position. So I'm going to have to look a little bit more into this in terms of his snap count, and I'll do that immediately after I say this. But rookie Kadar Holman was the third highest graded player. Only four snaps, so I know it means almost nothing, but he had the second highest coverage grade, and his assignment, let me look at the exact snap count here. This actually may have just been um, after the starters were pulled, maybe is why he was out there. Oh, they, they listed him as a strong safety, but if you look at the uh, the actual breakdown, he played inside the box once, which would be where he was a strong safety. Three of them, though, he played as a wide corner, it says. So three snaps out wide doesn't mean all that much, but it was good. And if you want to get a, a rookie involved, a best way for that rookie to get involved is to, when you have limited snaps, go out and be impressive. So it, it doesn't mean much, but it's still exciting to see. We have not seen Kadar Holman. There was a lot of optimism about Kadar Holman in the preseason. He hasn't been given an opportunity because he's, you know, we already have corners kind of figured out. We've got our starters. Kadar is a little bit further down the rung. He's newer. It's a late-round pick, whatever. But bottom line is he got his opportunities, and there you go. Some more really exciting news. We're, we're out of the 80s, but firmly in the 70s. This is a good grade, 75. Again, small sample size, but another rookie. The, the 
We got Zadarius and three rookies in a row. This time, Kingsley Kiki. Only seven snaps. Again, not great against as a pass rusher, which is kind of what people thought he was going to be able to do, but primarily as a run defender as attack and as a tackler, which is good that the rookies are stepping up in this way and Zadarius because it's an area where a lot of people are struggling very, very mightily. So if we have some kind of an answer to that somewhere on this team, let's, uh, you know, go after it. There are two other guys. Well, we'll call it three. I'll just round up all the nines. So 69, we'll call, call it 70. So three other guys had good grades. Um, the first was Kevin King. He did have a very, very good coverage grade. So again, an, an area where one guy does well and another guy doesn't. Yes, it's a little bit of foreshadowing for Jair. Really, really, really bad grade, which a lot of people are going to be upset about, but whatever. If you have Game Pass, go watch it again. And again, we'll talk about the statistics in a minute. But um, Kevin King, abysmally bad run defense and tackling grade, which has been his story all year long. However, a very good coverage grade. Uh, the next one would be Preston Smith. Pretty good across the board except coverage, but his pass rush was, was also um, a highlight. He was probably the only, he was legitimately the only one with a good pass rushing grade. Um, decent against the run. And then the third... Again, it's technically 60s, but I'm going to round it up, was actually Oren Burks, another really encouraging sign because he's another guy that it would be great to have step up. And and, and really it's funny because hearing these names, hearing Rashawn Gary, Kadar Holman, Kingsley Kiki, Oren Burks, doesn't that just highlight and exemplify this team in a nutshell? When certain things aren't working, you have you have sort of this next man up kind of mentality. Everybody's just kind of stepping up to the plate. It's not as consistently as you like. It's not as clean as you'd like. It's not, you know, where is everybody else? You know, why did Jair not have a good, you know, why did so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? Why do these guys not step up? But in their place, you've got other guys that just rise to the occasion. There's somebody there to fill the void. That's just this team in a nutshell. Um, As I usually do, I skip all the mediocres because I don't want to just run through all the grades because that's just giving away uh, proprietary information that I'd rather not do. So I just want to look at some of the lowlights here. The lowest graded player, probably not super surprising. It was a small sample size, but just really, really upsetting. Mr. Josh Jackson. It just isn't working. I mentioned yesterday he is basically at the bottom rung for corners right now. And uh, for him to go out, and again, this is the difference, right? Kadar Holman had four snaps. Josh Jackson had five. Both of them went out when the other was, or when the starters went out. These two both went in. One of them was the third highest graded player on the team. The other was literally the worst graded defender on the team. Legitimately. let me. I'm going to give you his stats right away because this is how bad it is. Josh Jackson was on the field for five snaps. Only three times he was in coverage. He was targeted twice. Both of them were caught, 36 yards and a touchdown. Three times the man is in coverage. It was two targets, two receptions, and a touchdown. 36 yards he gave up, 158.3 passer rating when targeted. Perfect passer rating against Josh Jackson. It's just, that's how bad it is. So, not uh, not good. The next lowest was Will Redmond. He's a guy that we've seen step up in, um, you know, certain situations. This was clearly not his day. Not good against the run. Bad against as a tackler. Uh, bad in pass rush, which usually the DBs do a pretty good job because they got a free rush at somebody, but he actually had a below average grade on his two attempts, and coverage was his worst grade. The third lowest graded player on the team was Jair Alexander. Four targets, three receptions, and a touchdown. 141.7 passer rating when targeted. His coverage grade was a 45.7. To make matters worse, his tackling grade was a 25. The tackling on this team is so bad. And and 
you can feel Matt LaFleur starting to get really upset with this defense. Every single week when when asked about the defense, what does he say? We gave up too many explosive plays. We gave up too many. Every single week. I understand Ben don't break. I don't honestly believe that they're trying to give up these plays. Because to be completely honest, big plays are kind of a break. That's not a bend. I understand bend don't break typically is we're talking about scoring. But I think a facet of bend don't break is we'll give you five, we're not going to give you 50. The Packers give up 50 a lot. They'll give up 30, 40, 50, 60 yard plays like it's nothing. It's got to stop. It absolutely has to stop. So Jair was, was not on many people's radar. He didn't give up a ton of yards. But overall, PFF was just not generally very impressed with him, which is upsetting because I talk about Kevin King and the fact that he needs to be more consistent. Jair so far has only had one bad week, and then you go up against the Oakland Raiders who have really, really bad receivers, and Jair is getting beaten. I remember seeing it. I remember seeing him get beat by the tight end. I remember seeing him get beat by, uh, what is their rookie slot receiver? Hunter Renfro? just crossed his face like it's nothing. And I remember sitting there watching the game thinking, how can these guys not stop your these wide receivers? They got picked apart. And really, there were only two people that had good grades in coverage, Kevin King and Kadar Holman. That's it. Everybody else was was average or, or just bad. Jair was bad. Will Redmond was bad. Josh Jackson was bad. Uh, Preston was bad. Those are the four that had the worst days, especially Josh Jackson, though. Um, another guy that had a bad day, Tyler Lancaster. Very rare for him. Um, he's never really good at, at being a pass rusher, but usually his run defense is on point. He had a bad day in run defense. His tackling was still fine, but uh, he just wasn't getting the job done. Was It is tough competition. The interior of the Oakland Raiders offensive line, very, very, very stout. So, you know, if, if he's going to have a bad day, as weird as it sounds, coming up against guys like Richie Incognito, probably not that surprising. As much as he's a raving lunatic, he is a very, very, very good football player. He's never not been a very good football player. The only reason people don't think of him as a good football player is because the only thing we know him for is being kind of crazy. And when you see a player get shipped around and cut from different teams, you just think he must not be very good. No, no, he's one of the better guards in football. Um, Two other guys that had bad days, Tremont Williams, almost entirely because of his uh, run defense ability. His coverage actually wasn't horrible, but it was in the 20s, his run defense. And then uh, B.J. Goodson, who has stepped up in the past. Not a great day, although still a very solid tackler. But overall, run defense as well as coverage was really, really lacking in this game. If you didn't hear somebody's name, it's because they were in the 60s or high 50s. One person was high 50s, but we'll leave it alone. Looking specifically at run defense, again, Rashawn Gary was number one. Zadarius was number two. These guys stood out the most. Otherwise, Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, and Kingsley Kiki, as well as Kenny Clark, were in the good category. Kenny was 69. Uh, Two guys were really, really bad against the run, and that's Kevin King and Tremont Williams. Tackling grades... um, Good tackling grades, actually very good. 279s, Chandon Sullivan and B.J. Goodson. Other good grades, Oren Burks, Kyler Fackrell, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry, and Kingsley Kiki, and Montrevious was very, very close. So a lot of really good tackling. The tackling is getting better. The problem is we still have some players that are just the worst. Bad tacklers in this game, Kenny Clark, Blake Martinez, in getting into the abysmal category in the 20s, Kevin King, Jair Alexander, and Josh Jackson. This, by the way, is how 10-yard gains become 30-yard gains. Terrible tackling. Pass rush, the only good uh, pass rush grade was Preston Smith. He didn't have very much by way of um, production, only two pressures, both of which were just hurries, but he only had 14 attempts. But either way, again, the grades are different than the statistics. They're actually watching what he's able to do, and it's possible because the ball's coming out so quickly, it's possible he was beating his guy consistently 
His grade was a 79, so we're going to throw that in the very good category. Um, close to good was Zadarius. Again, four pressures, all four were hurries. He had 27 attempts. Otherwise, the only one that was even average was Tremont. Everybody else was below average. Only one was in the bad category, and that was Dean Lowry. Coverage, I mentioned Kevin King was very good. Uh, Kadar Holman was good. Handful of average, and then you got below average was Chandon Sullivan, Blake Martinez, and B.J. Goodson. Bad was Jair, Preston Smith, and Will Redmond, and then abysmal was Josh Jackson. Pressures in this game were very, very low. Looking at statistics now, Zadarius Smith had the most with four pressures. All four were hurries. Preston Smith, again, two was uh, two pressures, two hurries. Um, actually, nine pressures total in this game. All nine were hurries. Not one person ever touched uh, Derek Carr. Again, this was, you know, Zadarius already laid this out. They, they did a good job of blocking. They did a, an even better job, though, of getting the ball out quickly. And a lot of them were just chipping. In other words, they just go down at the guys, you know, go low. I mean, not for a penalty, obviously, but basically just really trip the guy up long enough so that they can get the ball out. It's just kind of a way to ensure that this player is not going to get to the quarterback within three seconds. But, you know, if, the, if, if they hold the ball for a long time, a chip is a terrible idea because once they get up off the ground, they're just going to chase your guy. But they got the ball out so quickly it didn't matter. So it was just not in the cards today. Um, the other pressures came from Tyler Lancaster, Kenny Clark, and Adrian Amos won apiece. Um, tackling, you've got 49 tackles. The the biggest, Blake Martinez, 9, Adrian Amos, 8, and Will Redmond, 7. Missed tackles, however, Blake Martinez was terrible. He had um, 9 tackles, but 3 missed tackles. That's really bad, man, to have 3 missed tackles. But that's not the worst. Jair Alexander had 2 misses, only 1 tackle. Kevin King had 2 misses, 2 tackles. Josh Jackson had a miss and 0 tackles, so he had 1 attempt and whiffed. Uh, Will Redmond missed 1 out of 7. Uh, Kenny Clark missed one out of four. Amos missed one out of eight. So we had 11 missed tackles via PFF in this game. I'm guessing the Packers' number is even higher because I know they're very, very tough graders. Every time they come out and say this is how many mistakes we saw, it's always higher than everybody else saw. So that's good, though. They got a high standard. In the passing game, the person that was most targeted was Blake Martinez. They utilized their tight ends a lot, so they really picked on Blake. Um... Six targets, six receptions, only 27 yards, and no touchdowns. So could have been a lot worse. Um, so he, he definitely got picked on. But overall, it didn't really super blow this thing up. Um, the next highest in terms of targets, four targets. Both Jair and Kevin King, as well as Amos, all four targets. Jair and King gave up three receptions. Amos gave up two. Uh, Jair only gave up 16 yards. Kevin King gave up 36. Amos gave up 18. So statistically... Jair seemed to have a better day. Unfortunately, he gave up the touchdown, whereas Kevin King, instead of a touchdown, came up with an interception. Now, a lot of this might just be circumstantial, and I'm not sure how much this impacts the grades because the statistics are not bad. So there had to have been some bad coverage elsewhere that we didn't see that essentially the ball just didn't go there because the, the statistics are not bad for Jair. Yes, giving up a touchdown isn't great. Yes, the overall passer rating is bad, but four targets, three receptions, 16 yards is not bad. Likewise for Kevin King, I think he had a great day. I'm not trying to be negative here, but that, you know, if we're, if we're going to look at that pick as, as being a great play, that was a great play by Adrian Amos. Kevin King ultimately closed it, but, you know, 90% of that pick came from Adrian Amos tipping that. Because that could have that legitimately been a touchdown had he not dove and got his hand on that ball and popped it up. So it was a good team effort, but if I'm going to divvy up the grades, if I'm handing out three points, two of them go to Amos, one goes to King. But either way, Kevin King, I think he deserved the grade. It was a good effort. Four targets, three receptions, um, 
51 yards. I think I might have been reading the wrong numbers here. Uh, King gave up 51, Jair 36, Amos 30. I was looking at longest reception. I was looking at the wrong numbers. Either way, not terrible. Um, I don't know. It would be interesting to go back and watch that. I wish I had more time. Love to be able to go, because I want to go back and watch Rashawn, too, because a lot of people just hate Rashawn and will never like him. And he has been struggling a lot. I'm not trying to, to prop him up more than he deserves. But I also just don't like the unnecessary hatred for Rashawn, simply because you wanted to pick Brian Burns or whatever, who is doing very well, by the way. But I would be, it would be nice to just go back and see what exactly he did, because a lot of this stuff goes unnoticed, which is why I like this, because it's, it's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, football fans, you're typically just watching the ball. But um, it's good to see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Some of the others, Will Redmond gave up three targets for three receptions, 81 yards. Josh Jackson, I already mentioned. B.J. Goodson was targeted twice. Both of them were caught for 19 yards and a touchdown. Kadar Holman was targeted once. It was not caught. Chandon Sullivan, one of one, 14 yards. Kyler Fackrell, one of one, four yards. Uh, Preston Smith, one of one for uh, 31 yards. Tremont only targeted once, zero reception. So, again, why, you know, you want to talk about great production. Tremont just locked it down. Now, again, you got to go watch all the snaps to understand the grade because if I'm just looking at the, the statistics, Tremont had an elite day, right? This is, this is elite. But, um, again, it's possible guys are getting open and Cousins just isn't going there. Plus, there were several overthrows by Derek Carr. It's possible one of those wild overthrows was Tremont Williams, and in each case, these guys were wide open they just got missed. So, you know, that's why I give you the the grades as well as the statistics. If you don't like, some people just hate the grades because they think PFF is a joke and they don't know how to grade. So I'll give you the statistics. Um, I personally like the grades because I think it provides context and I trust PFF enough. Yes, I agree. Watching it will give you a better context because I have watched things and just generally, genuinely disagreed. But without watching, this is the next best uh, thing. A little bit extra context for the sake of, you know, how everybody did overall in week seven. Um, our best player, Zadarius Smith, was graded as the 27th highest graded player of the week. In terms of run defense, uh, Rashawn Gary was number one at one point, but as more grades have come in, he's dropped to number five, but that's still pretty fantastic. The fifth highest uh, run defense grade in all of football. Zadarius is currently sitting at 11. And by the way, I did put a filter on here of minimum snaps, and Rashawn is still there, just to give you an idea of, is this enough to count for anything? Right, so 20% of the, the maximum number of snaps that somebody ran. The highest number of snaps is 80. So the minimum snaps we're looking for would be 16. Rashawn had 18, so he made the cut. The only other person worth talking about, Kevin King, had the seventh highest coverage grade of the week. So props to Kevin King. Again, I would like from Kevin King and Jair at this point, because Jair now has had his second really bad game. We need more consistency out of these guys, because we can't have... You know, one guy just having it, because especially at corner, like it's different with Preston and Zadarius, because if one guy has a good day, that's enough, right? Because it's, you got two things. You got guys that you only need one, and you got guys where everybody needs to be solid. On a given play, if one guy's terrible and one guy gets a sack, what does it matter? The guy being terrible has no impact. At corner, if one guy's great and the other guy is, is having the worst day of his life, it results in a completion, right? If, if, if Jair is having a bad day and leaving this guy wide open, it doesn't matter that Kevin King's locking the guy down on the other side of the field. The ball's going to go to the guy Jair's covering, and it counts for a completion. We've seen Kevin King have good days. We've seen Jair have good days. I'm just asking for consistency. Both of these guys have the ability somewhere inside. Jair is much more consistent than Kevin King is. However, this is now the second week I think we've seen Kevin King have a good 
It's almost the exact opposite, but they both have it. Let's just try to get it more consistent. And please, please, please stop with these 200-yard games for both of them, because both of them now have given up. I think Jair gave up one over 100. Kevin King has given up, I think, two over 100, one of which I think was like 200-some yards. Gotta stop that. But anyways, why don't we take our final break, and then we'll take a look at the offense and a quick look. Maybe we'll just do special teams first, because it was nothing very interesting. But we'll be right back. Packers sitting at 6-1 and one have got a really, really big test coming up. I know Pat Mahomes is hurt, but the Kansas City Chiefs are no joke. Currently, Vegas has got the Packers at, at a 4.5-point favorite. PFF, however, is much less optimistic and have them at uh, 3.2 points. My bookie doesn't have their, their lineup yet. They haven't updated the spread for that game because it is the late-night game. But I would implore you to please check that out and, and because, as I've said, they update this so regularly. Make sure you see what they come out with early because you want to jump on it early if they give you a line that, that is maybe a little favorable one way or another. Um, Devontae Adams is going to be massive in this, so trying to really monitor that and jumping on that before you know my bookie is able to... to, to adjust is going to be really important as i said we already had a listener reach out and uh, apparently he put a hundred dollars on the packers uh, against the spread so he walked away with i think 90 bucks so i'd love it for you guys to go check it out and try to win yourself some money in this uh this sunday game against the kansas city chiefs again they've got spreads they got totals they got prop bets you've also got um nfc north tickets that you can buy packers obviously are the favorites at this point to win but there is plenty of action to be had so if you haven't yet, please make sure you sign up at mybookie.ag. Use promo code OVERTIME and they'll match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Today's episode is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. It's the brand new streaming sports network. It's live 24-7 and it doesn't cost you anything. It's sports coverage that's always on and always free. Always. They've got brand new videos up constantly. Just as a matter of fact, as I'm looking at it, 29 minutes ago they posted a video, Packers' chance to win the NFC title. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. They just posted that a half hour ago. They've, they've got content coming out every few minutes, whether it's Packers news you're looking for or just NFL. If you, if you just need constant NFL content and like most of us, you go to work and you can't sit there and watch you know, SportsCenter, ESPN, whatever it is you watch, CBS Sports HQ gives you that right on your phone. So pop in the Bluetooth, put your phone up, just kind of prop it up while you're at your desk and see what's going on out there in the world. And again, completely free. Not like first time trial for a week and then we're going to charge you $5,000 a second and make it really complicated to, to undo this. You got to get a lawyer to get you out of this contract that you signed your life away for. No, just, just free as in like just whatever, dude, do whatever you want. You can also throw it up on your Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, any of that stuff. They got no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at a great price of, you know, free. You don't have to log in. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything. Just download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. There's literally no reason for you not to do this right now. All right, so we got a little bit of the ugly out of the way. Some good, some not so good. But again, I think John, first of all, let's let's not forget that John Gruden, for the second week in a row now, we've had a team that had a full extra week, not a full week, a full extra week, to scheme specifically for the Green Bay Packers. They understood the strength of the team was, in large part, the pass rush. They completely took that away with a really good game plan, really quick passes to their tight ends, which stressed guys like Blake Martinez, who were not the greatest. In co- it was a very, very good game plan that was very, very effective. But overall, the defense had a little bit you know, out there to be desired, I suppose. 
The offense, and I swear some of these grades have changed because it's, it's not as impressive as I remember, but there's a lot of, of good to look at, especially when you look at individual categories. So overall, there was one elite player. Yes, that's Aaron Rodgers. I know a lot of people were you know, making the joke that PFF's going to say Aaron Rodgers had a mediocre day. That does happen on occasion, not in this case. Aaron Rodgers was the highest-graded quarterback. He was the highest-graded passer, which are two separate things. Um, it's actually interesting. Kirk Cousins was the second-highest. Both of these guys have caught fire at the exact same time. Both of these quarterbacks have been elite for two weeks in a row. So um, Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins are in a very, very heated battle right now for the NFC North. And if Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers take their foot off the gas for even a second, um, you know, not that Kirk Cousins is... I mean, he, he's pretty vulnerable to having bad days, but he seems to be one of those guys that when he gets fired up, he can be really dangerous, and he is beyond fired up right now. So we, we need a good defense to go in there and smack him around a little bit to kind of shake that confidence because it's getting a little scary over there. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, number one highest graded quarterback of the week. The second highest graded player on the team, Mr. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, bordering on elite just a little bit below with an 88 overall grade. One other player with a very good grade was Mr. Jimmy Graham. So similar to Kevin King, I'll give credit where it's due, and today was one of those days. He had a good day. He had a good day as a receiver. He had a good day as a blocker. He just played really well. Similar to Jair, similar to Kevin King, we need more consistency. You could really say that about almost every single player. I can't think of anyone that's been consistently good all year long. Literally not one. Maybe Zadarius? I don't know. I'd have to go look at that. I know he's had not super elite weeks. But I feel like Zadarius and Preston have been, as far as consistency, maybe the best players on the team. Um, guys with good grades, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, and Brian Balaga. Uh, we'll also throw Danny Vitale in there at 69.7. Uh, guys that had bad days, um, Dexter Williams, again, I kind of talked about that, kind of unfair. Evan Bayless, these are both guys that came in after the starters were pulled, which is a tough assignment. Just they're coming in cold. They've got very little practice. They're going against a starting defense with, with backups in everywhere, including the quarterback, the offensive line, etc. Um, the lowest graded actual starter was Mercedes Lewis, followed by Elton Jenkins and then Corey Lindsley. Now there's a positive lining here, but just overall understand that that's the way that it was. Looking at um, the pass blocking and run blocking specifically, um, obviously the most important aspect is pass blocking. David Bakhtiari's grades haven't been as good as we're used to. However, his pass blocking grades have been phenomenal the last several weeks. He had uh, border, bordering on elite pass blocking grade. Brian Balaga also had a very good grade. So the very goods were David Bakhtiari, then Brian Balaga, then Corey Lindsley, Elton Jenkins, and then uh, Aaron Jones was at 79. Uh, Billy Turner was the only offensive lineman that didn't have a very good grade, but he still had a good pass blocking grade. Mercedes Lewis was good. Jimmy Graham was good. Danny Vitale was average. Jamal Williams was the only one that was bad, and it was really bad. It was down in the 20s. Now, he only had three snaps, so if you have three and you give up, let's say, two, you're going to have a really bad grade. Run blocking, as per usual, everyone was pretty much terrible, with the exception of Alan Lazard, who actually was run blocking 18 times and had an elite run blocking grade. He's a big boy, man. He <laughs> get a six foot four monster like Alan Lazard out there. I mean, there was talk about moving him to tight end, so we were pretty much putting a tight end on corners, and that's how that goes. You get a 90 run blocking grade. The other one, though, Aaron Jones. The bad uh, run blockers, uh, Elton Jenkins was the worst. Um, he gets a lot of credit for being a great run blocker. I don't know if he's ever, outside of maybe once or twice, been graded positively for run blocking. Corey Lindsley was really bad. Um, 
some low below average Evan Bayless, Danny Vitale, also not great. Danny Vitale, um, I mean, he's a fullback, but I feel like the only thing he does kind of well is as a receiver, which is great for the, the, the scheme and all that. But I mean, if you can't pass block and run block, you're not really, you know, not really doing your duty as a as a fullback. I mean, the, the running backs are better at run blocking and pass blocking than you. I mean, Jamal had a bad day, but he's a very good pass blocker. Aaron Jones is a very good pass blocker. Come on, Danny. Let's go, Danny. Statistically now, very, very good week. Um, one sack, one hit, six hurries. The only sack that was given up, PFF put that on Aaron Rodgers. Two of the six hurries were put on Aaron Rodgers, meaning the offensive line, the wide receivers, the running backs, the fullback were essentially blamed by PFF for one hit and four hurries, and that's it. Five total pressures. The one hit that was given up was given up by Jamal Williams. Of the four hurries that were given up by non-Aaron Rodgers people, three of them were given up by Billy Turner. One was given up by Elton Jenkins. There were also two penalties. Uh, Jake Kumaro and Billy Turner were penalized. Kumaro probably had nothing to do with blocking during that penalty, I'm guessing. So clearly Billy Turner had the, the worst day. Three hurries uh, and a penalty given up, like half of all the pressures. Aaron Rodgers, as we know, had a really good day. Um, his grade when he wasn't under pressure was a 94.5. He completed 19 of 23, 82.6 completion percentage for 336 yards, 14.6 average, and five touchdowns. Two of these passes also were drops, so his adjusted completion percentage, which would essentially be uh, 19 of 21, was a 91.3%. He completed 91.3% of his passes effectively. Now, maybe even a little more crazy, his grade when he was under pressure, it was good. He completed 6 of 8, 75%, for 93 yards, 11.6 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, no interceptions. The crazier part, there was one sack and two throwaways, which effectively, if you remove those three, he had a 100% completion percentage while under pressure. In other words, every time he threw it to a receiver, it was a completion. Um, some other interesting things, they also give a breakdown on grades and statistics per part of the field. So they've got the um, behind the line of scrimmage, short, intermediate, and deep. And then they've got the outside the left hash between the numbers and outside the, the right hash. The, the, the better grades came beyond 10 yards. He had a 97 grade on the outside right portion, which is right side of the field beyond 20 yards. He was 3 of 4 for 87 yards and 2 touchdowns, a 156.3 passer rating. On the right side of the field, 20 yards or beyond. A 97 was his grade. Almost perfect. Deep middle, his grade was an 87.3. One pass, one reception for 59 yards. Third best portion of the field was um, short left. 4 for 4, 93 yards, 2 touchdowns, 158.3. Passer rating at an 87 overall grade on that portion of the field. Pretty sure the MVS touchdown came on that portion of the field. It was a short pass to the left side of the field that he took all the way. But Aaron Rodgers obviously putting on a clinic in pretty much every facet of the game. The only bad portion of the field, he had one pass attempt which came up incomplete in the intermediate left portion of the field, but whatever, it doesn't mean anything. Just means he didn't really throw it over there much, and the one time he did, it was his one bad throw or one of his few bad throws. Uh, rushing grade uh, again, Jamal did not have a good day. He had the worst running grade of anybody. Only had three attempts. They didn't run the ball very much. But in a day where Jamal didn't have the best day, Aaron Jones stepped up. I mean, not his best day either, but only 12 attempts. He had a, a grade that was in the good range. 12 attempts, 50 yards, 4.2 average. I'm good with that all day. So again, Jamal has a bad day. Aaron Jones steps up. 
Uh, looking specifically at receiving grades, this one's pretty interesting. The number one receiver is not actually MVS. He's the second highest receiver. The number one receiver, and it only comes on five targets. That's, I mean, that's still something. With an elite receiving grade, Jamal Williams. This is kind of exciting because I, I've stressed in the past that our running backs aren't that good of receivers as people tend to think that they are. Their, their grades were never that good. I was never really super impressed with how good of receivers they were. But they've really been, both of them, especially Aaron Jones, I think it was what, last week, I guess also this week, that one catch was ridiculous. But they, they have been incredibly impressive as receivers, maybe even more so than as runners so far this season. But Jamal Williams, number one receiver, um, four receptions on five targets for 26 yards and a touchdown, 28 yards after the catch. To reiterate, that's 28 yards after the catch on 26 total yards. So, I mean, you know, Jamal didn't have the best day running, but he had he had literally less rushing attempts than he had targets and receptions, for that matter. Um, second highest graded receiver in the very good category, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Only three targets, but two receptions, 133 yards and a touchdown. The next highest graded receiver, Jimmy Graham, was four for four, 65 yards and a touchdown. By the way, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, yards per reception. <laughs> yards per reception. It's rare to see a a receiver with 66.5 yard reception in a game. His average was, I've never, I've never seen that. And I never will see that again. That's ridiculous. Jimmy Graham at 16.3 per reception is crazy. Next highest with another ridiculous number, Danny Vitale. Two receptions on two targets, 43 yards, 21.5 yards per reception. Aaron Jones four, was the next highest graded receiver, 4 for 4, 33 yards and a touchdown. Uh, getting down into the average category, although pretty close to good, Jay Kumaro, 2 for 2, 54 yards and a touchdown, 27 yards per reception. Uh, next was Geronimo Allison, 4 receptions on 5 targets for 33 yards. And then finally, right at dead average was Mr. Alan Lazard, 3 receptions on 4 targets, 42 yards. Lazard had a pretty good day. He had that one good catch, but he also had that one really terrible drop. He was the lowest graded receiver on this day, which is exactly why I've been telling everyone to just relax. You can't freak out on one day and talk about this great elite receiver. How did we miss on him in the draft? How, how did Brian Gutekunst do such a terrible job evaluating this? How did 32 teams miss the opportunity to draft him number, you know, in the first round of the draft? Dude, relax. It's one day, all right? One day. He's, he's a good enough receiver. That's cool. I'm glad he's on the team. He's going to be able to come up similar to like Geronimo and Jake Kumaro. He's, he's another one of those guys who's going to come up big, and he's got like that one thing. He's great with 50-50 balls. He's great skying up in the air. He's never going to be Devontae Adams. All right, relax. One week after being like the number two receiver in football, he was the lowest graded receiver on the Green Bay Packers. He was eight out of eight. Calm down. I'm not saying that to be mean to Lazard, but y'all need to just cool it. You're crazy with this stuff sometimes i mean i'm 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 even talking about like blue checkmark people i'm not calling them out by name but you probably saw it on twitter like how did they miss on this like come on man are you serious who missed on what who who missed on anything ever what are you even talking about anyways really really awesome passer ratings um Jay Kumaro and Jimmy Graham had perfect passer ratings, 158.3. Marquez Valdez-Scantling passer rating, 149.3. Um, Aaron Jones, 140.6. Jamal Williams, 127.9. Danny Vitale, 118.8. Alan Lazard, 108.3. Geronimo, 94.2. Even Geronimo is not bad. But, th- I mean, that's just a, a litany 
of really and 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 listen, this is because of Aaron Rodgers. It's not every one of these guys stepped up in some kind of an elite kind of a way, right? Jamal's the only one that had the elite rate. It was it was Aaron Rodgers. He's the reason this was as awesome as it was. So, anyways, fantastic day. I was supposed to do special teams first, but we'll do it now. Two guys that stood out positively, B.J. Goodson and Evan Bayless. On special teams, we're talking about uh, coverage and blocking and whatnot. Uh, the guys that stood out in a very negative way, um, the worst of which, Chandon Sullivan, um, after that, Dexter, Willi- or, yeah, Dexter Williams, Ty Summers, and Jamal Williams had really bad outings. Ty Summers, I feel like I've been seeing him down at the bottom pretty regularly Uh, Dexter Williams also needs to find something that he can do well on this team before he ends up getting cut. I know it's early, but I mean, you know, I mean, it's at least be average. Just don't be horrible at everything. Um, Otherwise, the kicking, Mason Crosby, 6 of 6 on his special teams attempts. Excuse me, extra point attempts. They're all special teams attempts. J.K. Scott, only three punts. He had a short day, rest the leg. His average was 55.3 yards. His net was 39.7 because guys don't know how to cover. That's not on J.K., Hang time, 4.57. So not his best day in the world. But again, there's so many factors in this, it's hard to gauge. I mean, you kind of got to just watch it. And, you know, again, if, if you're kicking from the 50, you don't want to kick it 60 yards. That doesn't make sense. So, you know, whatever. Either way, it should either be both or one or the other. Because if you're kicking from the 50, you want it to be short, but th- you should probably try to kick it up kind of high to make sure your guys get there. So the shorter the yard per attempt, usually the generally the higher the hang time I'm looking for. If the, high, if the hang time is, is kind of low, then I'm looking for more yards per attempt. It's when you have both of them that are low that it was kind of a bad day. It's when both of them are high that it's just a freakish outing, and JK's had a couple of those. But um, anyways, that's about it. Just a quick look-see at a little bit more in-depth information on uh, the game against the Oakland Raiders. We are now going to look forward to the Kansas City Chiefs game. Tomorrow I'm planning on maybe looking at uh, the... The voicemails, the text messages, as well as the Facebook group. So if you want to get some questions in, um, try to keep it to those two. I mean, you can message me on Twitter. You can you can do whatever you want, but it's it's really gets hard to find these things. So I would prefer if you could uh, use the phone number because the Facebook group it's awesome, but it's going to get lost. It's just a Google Voice thing. It goes straight to voicemail, so I'm not going to pick up and have an awkward conversation with you. So leave a voicemail or just text me. The phone number is in the description of this. We'll get some questions and stuff going. Have a little Q&A session. In fact, I was thinking about this. No, I'm not going to do that. At least not on the podcast. I, I was thinking, I, I know the kids these days sometimes do like an, an ask me anything thing. I personally think it's weird and don't know why you would care about anything non-football related. Maybe I'll save that for Instagram because it feels like an Instagram-y thing. But if that for some reason sounds interesting to you, shoot me a message on Instagram with, with whatever question. If there's enough of them, maybe I'll do an, an Ask Me Anything video on Instagram. I don't know. It was just a thought. I, I You know, whatever. I would like to do something on Instagram at some point. Otherwise, speaking of Instagram, be sure you're following me on there. Once we get to 500, we're doing another giveaway. We're already up over 350, so we only have another 150 to go. And as for Brian Reed, once again, be sure to shoot me a message. Let me know which of those jerseys you're looking for, and we'll get that sent out to you very, very quickly. Otherwise, you folks have a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.